and welcome to the Free Like Me podcast by FLM. This podcast aims to help people like you navigate the world of financial planning. We'll be delving into things that we and our clients care about, talking about hot topics and inviting you to get to know our team a little bit better. Welcome to the Free Like Me podcast by FLM Wealth Management. My name is Caitlin Lambert, Senior Advisor at FLM, and today I have joining me Ed Gascoigne, our red trouser wearing punting and racing enthusiast, accompanied by his trusty steed, Sam Wilson, who made the jump from New Zealand a couple of years ago. So welcome to the podcast, Ed and Sam. Thanks, Caitlin. Lovely to be here, Caters. Very, very excited to have you here. So at FLM, we have an approach to financial planning that involves beginning with the end in mind and centers around outcomes rather than products. There has never been been a better time to refocus conversations with clients on what's really important to them. So today in particular, we're going to focus the conversation around planning for income in retirement. It will come as no surprise that we are all living longer. And as a result, the retirement landscape has greatly shifted over the past decade. These days, retirement is seen as a long journey to look forward to, not as it once was a relatively short period of life that's about the end of the road. But at a time when so much about retirement is improving, there is a cloud being cast, worry about the financial implications of extended old age. And most people approaching retirement today, including a lot of our clients, um, when we meet them before their clients, obviously, um, are uncertain around how they'll manage their retirement assets and are increasingly looking for help in making those right choices. So, Ed, if I'm just going to start with you, when we talk about retirement, what does that actually mean for people? Yeah, good question, Kayla. I think it's, um, you know, for me and, and, and from experience, retirement is quite a daunting moment. Um, there's an awful lot going on at once in that, um we've 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 spent the entirety of our life to that point in time working to earn a living and to put enough away to you know one day achieve that promise of 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 not having to work for a living of having our own time um but at the moment that we get there i i think there's psychologically also quite a lot going on as well in terms of the meaning of work finding one's purpose post work um, and, and kind of understanding how one will interact with the world for, for what will hopefully be kind of a long and fruitful retirement. So aside from the financial complications at retirement, um, I think there's an awful lot psychologically that's going on that, that, that also makes the subject really interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so do you think that can have a positive or a negative impact on the decisions that someone might be making at the point they reach retirement? I think... Um, I think it just increases the pressure. Um, I think it increases the pressure on the individual and um, it in- that in turn increases the difficulty, um, I believe, in thinking clearly um, and in being able to see things, you know, at kind of a macro level than rather than through your own lens. And I think for me that's, that's probably it's probably the moment where advice adds adds the most value in helping have in helping have kind of clear consideration at at, at what is such a pressured time absolutely and sam do you have any thoughts on on what retirement means to your clients yeah i think i think he had touched on some really good points there in terms of uncertainty the one thing i would say is it's it means something different to everyone and and ultimately it's it's changing a bit more if we think back a few generations it was probably a lot more simple than it was today you 
you worked, you got to a point where you, you know, you stopped work and there was a, you know, a nice final salary pension. And, you know, we weren't faced with the, the sort of level of complexity in terms of decision making that we are faced with today. But as Ed pointed out, you know, people are transitioning from a time where they've, they've had a purpose um, through, through work to a time when, you know, all of a sudden that, that's gone and they've got decisions to make around, you know, where will their income come from post-employment and, you know, those kind of decisions are, are pretty major. And the one thing I notice with, with clients that I look, look after is it's, it's just the sort of uncertainty of not knowing what you don't know. Um, and to Ed's point there, you know, this is the first time that, that these clients will have actually come across this scenario, whereas, you know, we look after people who go through this. So it's, it's not the first time for us. So it's, it, is, it is a time where talking to someone who has helped people with this already to sort of, um, I guess, deconstruct and help with some of those major decisions really can add significant value. Absolutely. And I, I think that's also really important when it comes to finding the right person to work with, because it is going to be a long relationship because we are living longer and retirement is is a, a lot longer than it used to be. And so finding that person who really understands your goals and your needs and can be there to help you, not only at the beginning, but also along the way with those decisions is is also really important, I think. 100%. Okay, so when I start looking at drawing income, what does that actually look like and what are the typical options that one might be considering? Really good question. Um, yeah, so I think I think it um, it's probably the first time in people's lives where they really start to pay attention to things like pensions. Um, and, and if I think about the approach that I take with clients, it's probably taking it actually a step back from that and and not trying to jump to solutions first. So the, the conversations that I generally have start with trying to actually understand, you know, post the world of work and, and into, you know, the retirement that our clients want, um, what income do they need? Um, so what do they want life to look like? And, and what are they actually going to need on a monthly or ad hoc basis to make sure that they can, can do all the things that they, that they were looking forward to and achieve all the things that they wanted to? So once we, um, you know, have, have sort of got a bit more clarity around what someone needs, that's when it's time to start looking at things like, well, well, what do we have already in terms of sources of income or investments that we can count on? So um, in terms of options, you know, everyone should have an entitlement to the state pension. You know, some people might be lucky enough to have entitlement to, to things like final salary pensions or other sources of income from property. But for for most people, all but probably the incredibly fortunate, there is going to be some kind of gap to plug between what they need to, to sort of live the kind of retirement that they've, they've been hoping for and the sources of income that they already have. And that's where things like workplace pensions or other investments come into play. And it's, it's really just about understanding how those can can help plug that regular income need or perhaps provide additional sources of money from time to time to make sure that that people can live the way that they want to and enjoy retirement. Brilliant. Anything to add on that point, Ed? I was going. To, I was going to have a small rant, actually. I think Sam was. Sam was kind of predictably <laughs> bang on the money, but um, but 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 I think it's another area where the industry um, the industry doesn't do what it should for clients. By which I mean, you know, in 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 this age of auto enrolment, um, people are people are fortuitous enough to participate in a pension scheme above and beyond the state pension and and that should be seen as a real net positive and yet we still live in this environment where people receive an annual statement um, that gives them a projection of income in retirement um, 
based on set growth rates, and I, I, I have no necessary issue with that. But, but, but what I do take issue with is, is kind of the assumptions that are taken around that pot being used to purchase a guaranteed income stream. Um, and I'm sure as this conversation goes on, we're going to we're going to talk in a bit more depth about about the how and the why and the what's and the do's and the don'ts of of, of, of sweating an asset base for an income in retirement. But the, but the first thing I would say for anybody listening in is, is, is if you've got this far in the conversation, thank you. Um, but secondly, if you're kind of thinking, oh, you know, I, I, I had some stuff through on my pensions the other day and it wasn't really getting me excited. Um, I'd like to think that even just in this, in this 20 or 30 minutes, we can probably start to peel back a few layers of the onion to help you understand some of the planning options that, that you perhaps hadn't hitherto been aware of. Absolutely. And it's a really good point, actually. And I think the the lack of access to guidance and advice and frames of reference has also been a reason that the the pension reforms of 2015 have have also been, you know, somewhat uh, disappointing to say the least. And there have been issues out there in in the you know the wider industry with people accessing pensions in the, in the wrong way. Um, it, it is it is disappointing, and you know I th- I think having these conversations is really important to increasing that awareness on what is out there. hundred percent. It was, it, you know, it goes back to that point that I mentioned at the outset, Caitlin, in terms of, you know, generations ago, this was, this was a lot, a lot more simple. You know, you retired, you had your pension pot, which was converted into an income for the rest of your life. And, you know, if you decided to, you, you had some cash at the outset, um, you know, ultimately the pensions freedoms have given people, you know, much more choice around sort of how and in what form they take, benefits from their pensions um but of obviously with with that additional choice comes complexity and you know going back to the, the point you mentioned in terms of taking the leap from new zealand one thing that i've noticed since moving to the uk is that th- that addition or the additional choices and options and all that complexity just means it is it is really hard for people when they are making these decisions particularly because this is as i mentioned the first time that they'll they'll have come across these options um, and it's not knowing what you don't know. So, so really actually having a conversation at this time before making these sort of fundamental decisions that will impact the rest of your life to understand, you know, if I do this, what does it mean for, for, you know, for down the track? Or if I take this option, you know, what are the pros, what are the cons? Putting yourself in a position where you can make the best decision and the most informed decision is, is you know, ultimately only going to add value in the long term. Yeah, absolutely. It's quite funny, actually. My boyfriend received a letter in the post just this week uh, advising him that he could take his 25% tax-free lump sum from his pension. He is 37, so I don't know where they got his details. But it was was a completely cold letter, and it said, did you know that rather than racking up debt, you could access your pension and, and, and pay it off? And I just thought, oh, wow. If this mm. is the kind of advice that's going out there, no wonder people are so confused. Well, it's not. It's it, it's not advice as well, is it? Cases. It's it's and you know again at, at the risk of another soapbox moment. I think um, we will we will all have seen you know the kind of the fairly harrowing um, news stories of, um, of 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 advisors gone rogue and of, um, of 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 kind of the big news stories in the space, but. Whilst those are obvious and those are the ones that we hear about, obviously there are also those issues, those issues that, that that never make it to the forefront or never make it to the news. Um, and then above and beyond that, you know, I, I I still have a continuing suspicion that that a number of people and uh, you know 
who who even entrust or engage help um, perhaps aren't always engaging help that is is as thoroughly thought through as it could be around um, around what is such a such a significant subject. Um, and when it comes to when it comes to to, to, to volatility on one's asset base, I'm I'm, I'm sure we're going to discuss that further. But um, but you know, as you're aware, in Sam and I, you have uh, you have a couple of bods who are who are quite kind of keen to get to the bottom of this stuff for people before uh, b- b- before any move is ever kind of taken in earnest. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so then when it comes to um, COVID, how do you think that retirement income has changed pre and post this crisis? So I, th- I think um, COVID has been an interesting one in that um, if I think about the, the sort of biggest impacts, um, at least in the short term, um, on, on people's income and retirement, the, the most obvious one or two would be be the fact that a lot of companies, so pe- things that people may invest into to generate their income in retirement have had to cut or suspend dividends. So I think the stats were something like about 30 billion in pound, 30 billion pounds of dividends cut by midway through the year, which if you look at those numbers, that's enough to pay the full state pension for around a third of people living in retirement today. So, you know, undoubtedly that's had an impact in the short term and, and time will only tell, you know, whether those cuts are sort of temporary in nature or, or perhaps here to stay. Um, the other the other major impact, and it's really probably been just sort of um, exacerbating something that was there already, has been has been what's happened to interest rates. So you know they were already low as we knew before before COVID, but they've 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 subsequently gone gone even lower. So that's really, I guess it, it, it puts people who are sort of thinking about how to invest to generate an income that will last a lifetime in a, in a rather I guess more challenging position than they might have been in sort of ten or fifteen years ago. You know, no longer can we necessarily rely on some of the investments that we might have in the past to sort of balance risk, but also produce an income. So those, I think, are the the two um, more obvious impacts. Um, naturally, there's been some volatility in the value of investments, but thanks to what the government have done, have have done. Um, in terms of stimulus, that that proved to be um, you know relatively short lived. So um, over to you, Ed, to talk about monsters. Yeah, I, I just think, um, without meaning to be glib about it, um, there's always something, and, and 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 I say that very empathetically because because obviously the disruption of COVID has been has has been horrific, and um, you know the financial consequences are very much secondary to the health issues that 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 have been created. Um, but as one approaches um, that scary moment where we kind of step off the end of the treadmill and, uh, you know, we kind of start counting down the number of paychecks that are left until we stop work, um, it's it, it, there's always going to be a monster sat in front of you. Um, the monster at the moment is, is is kind of COVID and what happens if. But if it weren't COVID, it would be the US election. If it weren't the US election, it would be resolution of, of of kind of the ongoing brexit debacle if it weren't the ongoing brexit debacle it would be u.s china trade wars if it weren't u.s china trade wars it would be kind of eurozone complications and, and 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 so on and so forth and the reason i say that is that if you can't look beyond the monster in front of you and if you if if, if you can't do that and um you need help to be able to do that and achieve that and look truly long term into your retirement, then that is the kind of help that you should seek. Because if 
if you always obsess about, about monster number one, the scary piece of news that's in front of us at that moment in time, we, we ignore kind of the second, the second serious threat, um, you know, monster number two who lurks in the shadows in the corner of the room. And monster number two is, is, as you alluded to, Sam, the fact that if we don't invest in a fashion that will achieve a certain rate of return, and we then go on to lead a happy and fulfilled and long retirement, there's a very non-zero chance that we could outlive our money. And I think of all of the threats and all of the concerns and all of the psychological complications as we as we think about flicking that switch from, from the world of work to, to independence from work, that concern of, you know, what happens if I run out of money must be one of the most common questions um, that, that, that we see ourselves getting asked. Well, that actually leads me really nicely onto my next question, Ed, which is around the historic rate of 4% um, that we've discussed, obviously, at length in the office. And there's you know, news recently that this is going to be reducing to 3.2%. Can you just tell everyone a little bit about what that is and why it might be changing? Yeah, cool. So in in really lay terms, you know, nice, simple, easy to understand terms, the historic the historic perception has been that if you have a million pounds um, at retirement, you can safely take about forty thousand pounds a year out of that as long as the money's invested and and you increase your uh, your income with inflation to account for the fact that things become more expensive over time. You know, a pint of beer is about five pounds fifty now, whereas it was uh, it was considerably less than that um, when I first started to to have the odd pint. And um, that four percent rule of thumb has historically proven to be to be broadly safe. And it's such a simple rule of thumb that that, that people latch onto it, and it, it it almost almost kind of becomes gospel. I'm sure Sam will be able to give you more kind of hard facts than I can. But effectively, as we live longer um, and as the return that we can get from, from, from very safe assets, you know, lending money to governments would be the key example. Um, as the risk-free rate of return falls um, and longevity increases, um, the, the, the modern school of thought is that it is prudent to consider a much lower initial drawing rate on one's capital. Of course, you'll, you, you, you can never truly work out what the safe withdrawal rate was for your specific sequence of returns, the retirement that you lived until you've lived it. Um, but, but by then, at the risk of sounding like an actuary, we're kind of, you know, we're in a hole in the ground and it's all a little bit late. Um, but so I think helping clients to understand the kind of income that can be sensibly and, and, and uh, prudently generated from an asset base is, is, is one of the most key roles of a financial planner with somebody who is approaching retirement. Brilliant. Sam, have you got anything to add on that point? Yeah, I think I, it, it mentioned the sort of technical side of it. So to, to, um, to reveal a bit more there, the, the 4% rule stemmed from studies in the US, which, which was trying to answer that question of, you know, how, how much can someone draw from an investment or a pot of investments and, and know that it's going to last. Um, and effectively, it was it was sort of tested over 30 year timeframes to sort of, uh, you know, what, what rate of drawings would have would have always sort of sustained or been sustained over that timeframe. So in terms of, um, of why it reduce or why it might be reducing at the moment, it's, it's kind of touched on those already. Um, the 30 year timeframe thing that they used in studies, um, you know, people are living longer. So if someone's retiring today in their mid 60s, you know, there, there is 
a 50% chance that that one of the you know one of the one of a couple would still be alive at least 30 years from today so so that kind of puts a question mark over over whether you know whether the sort of studies that this rule sits on uh, are robust enough but the other thing is is as Ed pointed out um, around returns um, and I know that uh, you know the, the interest rates that that have you uh, were used in those studies um, sit around six percent and equity market returns sit around twelve percent. Now, I think you'd be you'd be fairly hard pushed to find a you know a relatively risk free interest rate of six percent at the moment, and um, there's not too many not too many sort of uh, investment um, consultants that would be would be sort of backing twelve percent year on year uh, equity market returns either. Um, interestingly enough, though, when we think about the, safe, the concept of the safe withdrawal rate and an income that will be sustainable for lifetime uh, for, for one's lifetime th there is actually an area of the market that we can look to to get some insight there and those are those are annuities so that is um, you know the ability for someone to 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 take a pot of money that they have at the moment and buy an income that will be guaranteed for life and you know one only needs to have a quick look at annuity rates now to, to sort of see that they are you know they're certainly not around the four percent mark um, <laughs> Yeah, so basically people living longer and um, and returns perhaps being a bit lower are the drivers behind that being a bit more suppressed. If I might, Kate, as I'm going to uh, I'm going to I'm going to put a question on to you. Um, Love because, it. Okay, so the 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 idea being to kind of um, try and give visibility into in, in, into kind of what we mean by by but by, by accounting for volatility. Okay, so let's say you know let's say you've got you've got a million quid pot at retirement um, and you could convert that for a 20,000 pounds a year annuity. But, you know, you think, oh, I don't, I, don't, I don't really want that. That doesn't sound great for my, for, for, for all of my hard work. Um, you've got a, you've got, you've, you've got a dice in front of you. You've got a die in front of you, even singular. And um, he, I tell you that if you roll a one out of six, your your money will run out before you're 85. How would that make you feel? Well, I plan on living a long and prosperous life, so I'd I'd be pretty disappointed, I would say. But but do you think you would take the risk um, to try and have say 35,000 pounds a year rather than 20,000 pounds a year if you know that you go bust if you roll a one? No. And this is this the, the, this is kind of the dilemma, right? And these are the conversations that perhaps phrased slightly better than that one, but that, uh, but that advisors should be having with their clients. Um, because when we're in a, a, accumulation, sorry, kind of technical buzzword, when we are building up our assets, um, we kind of know that, that even when things get a bit bumpy, um, we still got the paychecks coming in, we're still putting some money away towards our future, time is on our side, and we can, you know, we can ride the curve out. Um, once we're in retirement and, and, and we're no longer generating an earned income, it's a very, very, very different game. And um, from experience, again, it is, it is quite normal for clients to develop an enhanced or more pronounced um, sensitivity to market volatility. Um, you know, they become, they become even more acutely aware of monster number one that's right in front of them. And it's it, it's the role of the financial planner to always make sure that we've got we, we've got half an eye on monster number two as well. So on that point, then, when when it comes to being prudent uh, in your retirement planning, when you're taking out your income, 
is it better to draw this out regularly or to make sporadic tactical withdrawals? I think I think for me, um, almost irrespective of what the technically correct answer is, um, I feel like we as advisors owe it to our clients and actually clients owe it to themselves to to live a retirement that they feel comfortable with and that they understand and that they're confident with. So I have some clients who will take an annual withdrawal, some clients who will take quarterly withdrawals, some clients who will create themselves a monthly income. So it feels as though they they never stopped work. They just play a little bit more golf. Um, and I think, I, you know, I think I, I, I think the same kind of different strokes for different folks is is very, very applicable there. Um, coming back to the tactical withdrawal piece, um, the only thing I would highlight there is that in a in a in a broadly rising market, um, you know that's that that, that that's going to be attractive enough, and, and 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 kind of we can make it work. But if we were to get suppressed returns for two, three, four, five years, we mustn't forget that actually we do need to generate an income from our asset base, um, and therefore I still I, I still think a regular income strategy is 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 the approach that is that is preferred by many perhaps with the occasional top up in, in, in years of extraordinary performance for, for spending that fits very much more into kind of the discretionary camp. What about you, Sam? Yeah, I t- I'm, I'm going to be a bit, bit more boring than you and just think I think for most people, a regular income is going to be the, the, the sort of easiest transition from employment to retirement because it, it just preserves that sort of nature of having, you know, something arrive on a monthly basis to, to help keep a roof over the head and to help, you know, pay for all of the things that people enjoy doing. So it's, it's just down to simplicity there. But there, there's a bit more of a technical, technical element to it other than just sort of uh, making life a bit easier. And that is that it, it allows money to actually remain invested until the point that it's needed. Whereas if we're, if we're sort of taking, you know, large sums of money out when we think the timing's good, we're ultimately removing money from the sphere of, of, of um, investments that, that, you know, all being, all being well should, should go up over time. Um, and of course, if we if we start to think about you know taking our income tactically when we think the time is right, it, it does bring you know the, the sort of the sort of question of you know do we can we predictably time markets and know when the right time is to be taking money out or or indeed leaving it, and and I think you know all of the evidence suggests that that is a it is a very hard game to play. So basically, regular income because it's nice and easy and that works for most people. As you say, the occasional top up as and when is needed because. Know, life's generally not that simple, but ultimately it leaves money invested and it removes, you know, having to time markets from the equation. Absolutely. And so coming back to this point of being tactical, I think it's also worth just having a quick conversation around something you alluded to earlier, Sam, which is the complexities of the UK's um, tax regime in particular and all of the different investments and um, vehicles that we've got available to us. So what would you say is really important when we're considering reducing the tax drag on on our retirement income? Because obviously that's another way of making making your money go further for you. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's probably been you know it's fair to say one of the biggest eye openers for me moving to the UK. Just you know, New Zealand was a very simple uh, country when it comes to taxation. That the, the system's relatively flat, and um, you know where you choose to take money from doesn't doesn't have much of an impact it's fair to say that that is that is not the case in the uk and 
through through perhaps making a you know a completely innocent decision and in, in, in drawing a, a large sum of money out um, of one's pension, you can you can all of a sudden be landed with a, a nasty surprise amount of tax to pay. So um, I think there's this broadly speaking, you know, a few key questions when it comes to uh, comes to sort of uh, making one's money last and, and generating the income and taxes tax is a massive one. So um, understanding how the different investments that you have are taxed not just today but into the future and and understanding you know the impact of a decision today um, on the amount of tax that you'll pay not just today but also into the future is is crucial so a lot of the sort of practical planning that I do with clients in retirement is, is just planning exactly where where we draw that income from to behave most tax efficiently over their lifetime and you know that's going to be different depending on the level of income one needs and the sort of nature of whether that's going to be more regular or perhaps ad hoc in nature um, the other questions are of course you know what kind of investment mixes are, are appropriate um, etc but in terms of tax just just that is one element you really can't afford to get wrong i think we we talk about controlling the controllables don't we and so what you you know what you what you can't control is the monster in front of you in terms of what might happen next um but but overly fretting about that and forgetting to ensure that you structure your affairs in the most tax efficient fashion you know goes down as a, a, a as a big error and um and errors made as you approach retirement are, are 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 the most significant of all because you're at the moment of kind of your peak asset base the easy, the, the, one way I always think it pays to think stuff like this through is that if hypothetically you could achieve a 0% tax rate through retirement, um, you know, and you were taking, you were taking 3.2% um, out of uh, your pot as a starting withdrawal rate, um, then you'd be achieving the same net outcome, the same amount of spendable money as somebody who was taking out 4% from their pot, but, but, but facing kind of a 20% tax rate. And, um, you know, I won't, I, I won't bore you with kind of stories of Monte Carlo simulations here. But what I can tell you is that the difference between those two implied withdrawal rates is pretty massive in terms of how often when you roll that dice, you're going to have to make amendments to your spending strategy in retirement. And so everything that you can do, every efficiency that's there, um is 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 absolutely must take stuff it really is to put to put some um numbers on this actually i think would be quite helpful so the pensions and lifetime saving association sort of believe that people would need about fifty thousand pounds a year to live a comfortable a comfortable retirement um now you know one could quite easily um pay about seven and a half thousand pounds a year of tax to generate that now, if you go to the, the market at the moment and look at how much money you would need to, to sort of buy an annuity, which would cover that, it's about £330,000. So if someone sort of, um, you know, just wants to live a comfortable retirement and is not sort of planning efficiently on tax, it increases the amount of money that they might need at the outset just to cover the tax drag on, you know, the income that they need to live comfortably by about £330,000. Now, that's, that's a pretty big hurdle. If you plan tax efficiently, though, it is completely possible in the UK system to generate an income of that level um, completely tax free. So it, it, it removes that additional hurdle of, of £330,000. So 
you know, the numbers are big here. If you get it wrong, it's a lot easier if you get it right. And it, it, it's not hard to, uh, to plan tax efficiently if you, if you put a bit of effort into it at the outset. Brilliant. Thanks for that insight, Sam. Okay, so we're, we're nearing the end of this now, and, and I'm conscious that some people might have fallen asleep by now. <laughs> I tend to have that effect on people. I apologise. <laughs> so just rounding things up, if you had one piece of advice to give to people starting out on that, that journey, what would it be? And, and I'll start with you, Ed. Uh, at the risk of sounding like my mum, measure twice, cut once. So... There's no, there's no, there's, there is no rush or there should be no rush, right? Like these are some of the biggest decisions that, that, that these individuals are going to make through their life in terms of the monetary impact of them. And um, whether they, whether, whether they go at it unaided or whether they engage somebody to help them, um, I really, really, really would suggest that the, that the most important thing of all is that at outset and before putting anything into motion, um, the individual or the individual and their advisor has kind of has game played various scenarios um, and they understand and they contract and commit to each other what they will do if dot 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 because there's going to be lots of moments of big ifs through th- through a 30 year retirement um, things that we that we know happen in market cycles things that we never saw coming perhaps like covid um, but if you have spoken through the challenges that will be in the road and the path ahead of time, it means that when you get there, you needn't be surprised. You know this is all part of the game that, that you're now playing. Um, and so I think, you know, I think really getting into into the weeds of things ahead of time means that whatever, whatever happens in one's retirement, um, you know that you can enjoy that kind of hard-earned time. Um, rather than spending it worrying um, in one form or another about about things that you can't influence. Yeah, absolutely. It just goes down to that that point again that, you know, it really is also never too early to start planning, is it? And it, it's a lot easier to be in the position that you want to be when you've had the time to, to get everything in the right place. Whereas, you know, someone who, who comes and says, I want, I want to retire tomorrow, there's, there's a lot more that you've, you've got to you've got to get sorted in those instances certainly yeah i think you can um you know when we're when when we're introduced and referred to people that are very close to retirement make no mistake there's a lot of value that can be added in 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 making sure that the pieces that are on the chessboard are in the most advantageous positions um you know that 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 that, that hopefully kind of goes without saying but what you can't do when you meet somebody at that stage is um is is you know kind of bring any reinforcements to the party um, you're simply then trying to make sure that you play the hand that you've been dealt as effectively and efficiently as possible. Um, so for so for anybody kind of thinking, you know, is now the right time, or uh, or, or should I kind of put things off and delay? Um, I, uh, my, my answer would be would be a very clear one. Yeah, so it, it's kind of touched there on a bit of of what I was going to say, um, not just about the the sort of importance of making the right decisions and and the most informed decisions at retirement, but there is no substitute for having time on your side. Um, You know, if there's, if there's an amount of money that you need to plan towards accumulating, you know, having more time on your side just means that, you know, that number is going to be divided, divided by more years. You know, the investment's got more opportunity to grow. So, so just now is always going to be the right time. Start thinking about it now rather than putting it off. You know, in the years that I've been doing this, I can think of so many examples of people who I've been, you know, referred to or come across who, 
have sort of been, you know, meaning to do this for, you know, for a year or two, or they once saw someone, you know, a year ago. And, and when, and when you dig into it, it's been, you know, five, six, seven, eight years since they first started thinking about the need to do something. And that delay costs money and costs opportunity. So just start thinking about it as soon as possible would be my advice. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Ed and Sam. That's been really insightful. And um, you've obviously got lots of knowledge to bring to the table. And I hope our audience has found this really interesting. It must have been nice to get to speak to me without a whiteboard in sight. <laughs> a green screen. <laughs> thanks, Caitlin. Great. Thanks, guys. So as you can see, retirement income planning can be extremely complex and there are a host of questions to ask and a multitude of decisions to make. So where to go first, what investments you should be accessing, what the different tax treatments are, all of these considerations you should be factoring in. So. Retirees really do need lots of help in managing all of these different sources, as well as balancing income and capital in today's world. So I hope that today's podcast has been helpful in shedding some light over these issues, and we look forward to seeing you next time.